Today's guest, Craig Graham, is an adaptive personal trainer who also runs a fitness company called Alt Movement, focusing on disability and fitness. And in today's episode, we discuss what are some of the common stereotypes that disabled people have to face when it comes to coming in the gym, and what are some of the common misconceptions about difficulties that disabled people might have coming into the gym, and how we might tackle some of these difficulties to help disabled people live a happier and healthier life. As a fitness lover myself, I really did agree with some of the messages in this podcast episode, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the Not Quite Podcast. I'm Charlie Randall. Let's get ready to rewrite the rule book. Welcome back to the Not Quite Pod. Today we've got Craig with us from Alternative Movement. Uh, Craig, do you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are, what you do, and just a general overview of yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on anyway, mate. Um, it's good to finally speak to you. I know we've uh, had a few sort of like, not quite conversations, but you know, uh, little chats on Instagram and stuff, and I've followed you for a bit and seen some of your stuff. is pretty cool, man. Um, yeah, so my name's Craig. Uh, I am a coach, uh, a CrossFit coach, personal trainer, uh, adaptive coach as well. Um, I'm based here in Essex, so Thurrock. Um, I'm actually not too far from you, but you're in Kent, aren't you? So quite uh, quite close. Um, yes, sorry, I've just given away your location as well now. Brilliant. Nah, you're all good. <laughs> everyone everyone knows I'm, I'm, I'm a Kent boy. Um, yeah, I need to get down there soon. We keep saying we're going to meet up, but we keep... Uh, it's just mate, so busy. Mate, doors are open. Doors are always open. Um, yeah, so uh, I've been a PT for well over 10 years now. Um, you know, I started out as a personal trainer, uh, working in commercial gyms, you know, getting people ready for their beach bodies and uh, holidays and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've done that for a while. I was doing that for about six, seven years. And for me, I sort of fell into the sort of adaptive coaching. Um, I will apologise in a moment because I've got my cats that are sort of jumping around. So if I get a cat jump at my face, it's all good. I'm just going to let you know. It's all cat. good. Um, it's all good. Yeah, so... Uh, I sort of, I sort of fell into the disability coaching. Really, I've never really considered myself going down that avenue at all, or adaptive coaching. Um, and it just sort of happened. Like I tended to lean more towards people with injuries and stuff within the gym. Um, I sort of ended up clicking better with sort of like clients with disabilities in the gym. And uh, yeah, sort of. I guess where that, that's where the sort of passion started. I guess. And then from that, I uh, had an opportunity to start. A class, so I run a class um, about forty minutes out from me uh, over in Chelmsford, and uh, this was working with uh, individuals with like uh, learning disabilities such as like uh, autism, um, Down syndrome, etc. And uh, yeah, man, I like, I was absolutely nervous on my first session, but I I loved it. I came out that day, and that that was it. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people um, or help this demographic. Um, anyway, sort of fast forwarding, fast forwarding a couple of years. Um, I had a young lad uh, or his mum contact me um, and said, I've been recommended you as a personal trainer. Um, my young boy, he's 16. He's got cerebral palsy. Um, I've been in touch with a few PTs, but no one's really wanted to work with him. Uh, and can can we have a conversation? Can we can we look at like maybe getting him on board and doing some training? Um, at this time, you know, I still, I, I, I loved the, uh, the sort of disability training, but I was like, oh, I don't know, am I qualified enough do I know enough yeah but I thought you know what give it a go I'll go and meet the guy I'll see what it's all about so uh yeah I popped down to his uh to his house uh had a chat and then it literally just spiraled from there man uh I started training him once a week then twice a week and then we started seeing improvement um not just in his uh not just in himself like physically but mentally as well he started to uh become a lot more confident he became a lot more um just came out of himself a lot more. Anyway, so off the backs of this, uh, obviously within the CP or disability world, there's a lot of sort of people tend to be quite closely connected. And uh, obviously rumours started spreading. People started coming to me saying, oh, can you train my son? Can you train my daughter? Can you train my husband? And, like, it's just, you know, people started flooding in. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, I was an adaptive coach. And uh, yeah, uh, so from this, I, it, it was predominantly one-to-ones. So I was working with people on like a one-to-one basis and it was a conversation I was having with one of my clients one day talking about uh, like what sort of clubs were out there or um, activities that people with disabilities can get involved in, whether that's uh, a fitness, weightlifting, gym, more sort of towards gym sort of stuff as opposed to competitive sports like basketball and stuff like that. 
And I went, oh, there's got to be something out there, man. You're just probably not looking hard enough. I went, give me a couple of days. I'll come back to you. Anyway, so I did. I went away. And I found, like, two clubs in the area. And one of them was, like, a very basic sort of activity um, where it was all sort of, like, lumped into one. So it was, like, people with physical disabilities and people with um, like learning disabilities sort of lumped into one category. And I was like, wow, that's I don't see that working. Um, like, this, these these two sort of cohorts together because they've very got very different requirements. And uh, the other one was a swimming club. And that did not interest my client at all, going swimming, especially as a wheelchair user, uh, because it, for him, it was more of a hassle to to get the wheelchair in and out of the pool. I was joking. I, I, I use that joke with him. <laughs> but obviously, he doesn't use his wheelchair in the pool. Um, yeah. Anyway, so off the back of that, I went, I went, there needs to be something. There needs to be something out there. There must be some sort of alternative type of class. Hence, the name Alternative Movement was born. Um, I went away that day. Uh, I created an Instagram page, Alternative Movement. Um, and I'd done something that I had always been super nervous to do, which was um, film myself talking. I, I can talk in front of people. I can get up in front of 30, 40, 50 people and talk. But as soon as you put the camera in front of me, I turn into a rabbit in headlights. But anyway, so I felt so passionate about this. that I just set my camera up one take. I recorded what all movement was, what I was aiming to do, and uh, asking for basically feedback on how I can start to help the adaptive community. And off the back of that, it sort of blew up, and I've got like a massive amount of interest. Um, during this time, I was sort of building social media. Uh, I was I started it in my garage, to be honest. During lockdown, obviously all gyms were closed. I, I had to set my garage up as a gym, and that's where it was. Uh, that's where it sort of started. Um, I wanted to create a club. I wanted to create a, some sort of community of, of people to come together and be able to train together and share that experience. Um, but it was finding the right space. Um, so obviously, you, you know yourself, if anyone's seen my Instagram, I'm a CrossFit coach as well. So I wanted to embody sort of the CrossFit methodology within my own training and within the training of others. So I started off in a like a village hall. And for anyone that knows what a village hall looks like, it is very much a village hall. It's like carpet, smells of beer from kids' birthday parties. And it's, you know, it's okay. It's a starting point, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. Anyway, so the gym I was working at, uh, it was called SB Fitness, actually transitioned to a CrossFit gym. And, like, it was just the perfect opportunity to then move my business within the CrossFit gym and operate from there. So we've been operating at the CrossFit gym now for, what month are we in? Five months. Five months we've been operating at there. And um, yeah, so it started initially within the, the, the village hall as a wheelchair weightlifting club. And it then transitioned over to now adaptive CrossFit classes because obviously within a CrossFit gym, now I can call it CrossFit classes. Um, and yeah, that's it. Like it's it's just sort of, it's been drawing attention. I've had people come down from sort of like London coming down. Um, I've even had like a Paralympic come along to my, a Paralympian come along to my class. <laughs> um, I'm getting now attention further afield. So, Actually, 360, back to Chelmsford. I've got a group coming in uh, next week um, from uh, IP Essex Independent Project. Um, we're working with autistic and kids with Down syndrome and stuff like that. So that's going to be great. It's done like a 360. So now I'm in a position where I can start to look at expanding and putting more classes on and doing what I originally wanted to do and keeping physical and learning disabilities separate because of the delivery of the sessions. Yeah. I feel that they need to be separate because of their requirements, if that makes yeah, sense. Because yeah. if you put them together, neither of them are yeah. going to benefit. So, um, yeah, and then obviously bring it back to today. This is it. This is where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very clear now on my vision, whereas at first it was a vision, but I didn't know quite how it was going to look at the end yeah. and how I was going to get there. But, um, yeah, I'm, I would say I'm in a very good position now where I know exactly where I want this movement to go. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting, man. It's exciting. So uh, hopefully that summarises who I am and where I'm at. No, that's that's a really cool story. Like, as well, um, how old is Alternative Movement now? Mm, alternative Movement itself, um, I started in the start of August last year. So the name, I started the name Alternative Movement. Although, obviously, I've been um, training people with disabilities for a, a couple of years prior to that. Um, the actual name started, as I say, in August, just the start of August. Oh, well, that's so literally right in the middle of a uh, lockdown as well. In the middle of lockdown, man. Come on. <laughs> if I you mean, can survive lockdown with your, 
with your business. That's, you're doing something right. That's the thing. I've been speaking to so many business owners that are just like, yeah, we just started in lockdown. And I'm like, cool, of all times to go for it. That's that, that's impressive. Um, oh, yeah. What, oh, yeah. What was your um, first introduction to disability? Like, what? who was the first person with a disability that you met? That I met? So, I mean, obviously, I've met people with disabilities before, um, but properly started working with was a young lad called Jay or Jason. Um, you, once again, revert back to my social media. You've probably seen him a few times. I did do a post yeah. today doing some snatches. Um, so, Jay was my first proper client with um, CP. What would you say the biggest challenge was as a, as a CP athlete, my, well, if you call myself an athlete, uh, as a CP athlete myself, um, yeah. what was, what was you say, your biggest sort of challenge more so to think outside the box? Because I think that's one of the main things that working with the team that I work with, trying to think of different ways to make it work for me is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll pull it back to the word athlete as well, actually, because I thought like that should be addressed. So. I refer to all my clients as adaptive athletes. Um, within CrossFit, if you follow CrossFit or if anyone follows CrossFit, you'll know that you would call the members athletes. You say the athlete, right, okay, athletes are doing this workout today, etc. So, and I just think it's a cool name as opposed to saying disabled person or someone with a disability. I think not there's anything wrong with them words at all, but I think yeah. like how cool is it to come into a gym and I'm an adaptive athlete? Like that's just such a cool sort of, uh, sort of way of framing it. Um, my biggest challenge is was everything <laughs> so obviously like as a personal trainer when you do your course and your qualifications you're taught about movement mm-hmm. and someone with cp as you'll obviously know yourself does not move the same as anyone else and nope. even down to each individual with cerebral palsy or even any disability no one moves like each other there's always different imbalances there's always different like um just physiological effects within each individual so for me every single one of my client is a challenge it's got easier now because obviously i've i've sort of like learned how to how to adapt certain movements and how to work with certain individuals but i always refer to each of my clients as like almost like a puzzle so a puzzle that i'm constantly having to solve every single session and I think that's why I like it so much. And especially working with like a group of athletes as well, like in a um, in a class, like it's so fast paced. Like you've got guys in wheelchairs, you've got guys that can walk, guys that um, maybe have a missing limb or something like that. And yeah, like just just to be right, this is the workout today. Obviously, you have a bit of an idea who's coming to your class first of all, but like the fast pacedness of the classes, that's what I like. I like problem solving, like on yeah. the spot. And the thing is, once again, like even going back to like, even if you've worked with someone for a number of years and you know how their body works, you know their imbalances, you know their weaknesses, you know their strengths, they could wake up in the morning and be completely different day to day, depending on if they're fatigued, if they're hydrated enough, their body could move differently. So I think for me, every day is a challenge, but I sort of welcome that challenge and I like that challenge. You remind me so much of my PT Luke. It's crazy. <laughs> um, oh, okay. And- I know it's basically I've got a, a setup in my local gym where um because for me obviously I so actually I don't think you know I come from a, a swimming background so originally my first introduction to fitness was I wanted to get into Paralympic GB um and, and I've just slagged off swimming as well at the very beginning of this podcast uh, so sorry good. man I'm just, it's just... <laughs> uh, you're all good um no you're all good honestly like um so that was my first introduction <laughs> then I um left swimming due to almost being told I was too old, essentially, okay. to get to where I wanted to go, and then stepped into um, weightlifting. And I had, I, I, I mean, as I think a lot of people in, uh, young people in the fitness industry, you got, I kind of got into fitness YouTube, and that was actually what birthed, not quite politically correct, because I didn't see anyone doing fitness YouTube, but from a disabled person's perspective. But bringing it back a little bit, so the reason this links into Luke is because um, when when she started going to the gym, I had a good idea of roughly what I needed to do. But my main issue was I just didn't. I needed a spare pair of hands. I didn't necessarily need PT. So I was really lucky that originally when I joined the gym, there was another PT called Ryan who set up that I could book in with um, 
with a PT and just have them there for a spare pair of hands and to make sure that I was doing everything safely as opposed to actually full on training. Um, and that's been a, a blessing for me because it's meant that I've made so much more progress because I've got more freedom to be able to do the different exercises. But one issue I face is that oftentimes I've worried that I'm too reliant on those individuals. So I always ask, whenever I interview someone like yourself, I always wonder, what would be your advice? Like, what do you think gyms need to do more of to support disabled individuals? Yeah, so this is this is a real big thing for me. So at the moment, I'm, I'm currently in the process of designing a online course or online workshop, a couple of different courses. So one a little bit more in depth um, and yep. one a bit more surface level. Um, so for, for a lot of the parts, so I have this sort of conversation with my clients quite a lot about gyms or anyone coming on that gyms do not support people with disabilities, um, the staff ain't well enough trained, um, all this other stuff. Well, sorry, the staff ain't good enough to obviously try uh, to work with someone with a disability, but I don't think that's necessarily the, 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 the coach's fault within the gym. I just feel like there needs to be an awareness raised about it. And I wouldn't blame anyone for not, sort of catering to people with disabilities as such because it's a really tough one because the education is not there and as i said to you before like with the clubs and stuff there's not a massive amount of clubs out there and the education around it it's almost like people with disabilities have got forgotten but not intentionally does that make sense so yeah. my aim and objective is to create a course that that you can buy that you can give to your staff that you can basically almost like a cheat sheet so that you can go onto it and then you can understand a little bit more about certain disabilities, certain adaptations within workouts that then they can cater for people with disabilities. Uh, wait, I went off on a bit of a tangent now. I hope I answered your question. No, no, you did. Um, do you think, I? because I always think for me, it's more of, um, I, I find that whenever I've had this discussion with gyms, it's often more the management of the issue. The staff on the ground are yeah. more than happy to yeah. give it give it a go. They're like, yeah, crack on. But then the managers, rightly so to a certain extent, are the first thought that goes through their head goes, health and safety, oh my God, that's a nightmare. Yeah. No, we're going to leave that alone. I'm not letting 15 kids yeah. in wheelchairs loose in the gym because what could go wrong? Yeah, so so I think that's that's the thing behind it. Yeah, as you, you're absolutely right. So the sort of management within the gyms um, a little bit higher up because, you know, like for the most part, PTs might be sort of open to taking on clients with disabilities, but as you say, health and safety kicks in, and they go, "Oh no, we can't deal with that. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, what if they fall over? What if they hurt themselves?" And dude, you, you know yourself, you've trained. Like, I've trained with a lot of lot of adaptive athletes. Like, you're not made of glass. You're not going to explode. Like, I've seen some of my yeah. guys do some crazy stuff, lifting crazy weights above their head. Yeah, sure. There's other sort of things you have to take into consideration in regards to safety which is one of the things I wanted to touch up on, on within my course. So one of the modules within my course is um, self-spotting. So what that means is in any of my workouts, my athletes work in pairs every time, regardless of what they're doing. They work in pairs, and I teach them how to correctly spot one another because I'm only one provider. So I, I can't be on anyone at any one time. And, they're, you know, in regards to, like, you want to say able-bodied classes, there is the risk of injuries. And, and I think even more so with people with disabilities and neurological conditions, like with uh, if you've got cerebral palsy and you can still walk, there might be the chance that you have involuntary movements, which means then you're unstable. So I always like to make sure that people are in pairs within a workout in order to be able to spot and have that safety behind things. Now, on a, if, if you're someone with a disability going into, into a gym, there might not necessarily be that safety procedure in place um, if yeah. you're going alone. But at the same time, I don't think gyms should shy away from allowing people with disabilities into the gym for that reason, which is ultimately why I want to educate people around that. Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense. And yeah, it was actually links into one of the questions I was going to ask you is what 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 do we do in the first instance to make that change? So what, 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 what's something we can do tomorrow to change that, if that makes sense? Does that make sense? What can we do tomorrow? I'll raise awareness. Oh, sorry, my cat's kicking my phone. I'll get up. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Um, yeah, so um, create awareness, to be honest with you. So I've made 
a very big effort in order to run my sessions alongside um, the CrossFit classes, so the able body classes, because I want my athletes to come into the gym and not only I, I, I want them to walk in there as if I'm walking in there. Like no one looks around, no one goes, "Oh, who's that guy coming in?" Like they are just another member, and and by creating that awareness and running them alongside uh, alongside each other. I wouldn't necessarily mix them together because at our gym, I'm the only adaptive coach, which is not to say anyone can't do it. But at the moment, while this is being built, I feel like I need to be very much hands-on myself in order to understand it truly myself before then I can get someone else to understand it. So in doing so, in doing this, like I've had all the members come back to me like the day later, giving me feedback going, oh my God, to see them guys do them workouts. Like I didn't think people in wheelchairs could do that. I didn't think people with disabilities or missing limbs could do that sort of stuff. And I'm like, like yeah, they, they can. And that's the thing. Like Because almost I feel like where people with disabilities have been pushed to the side a little bit, the able-bodied people haven't been exposed to what they're capable of. And I feel yeah. like that's a great way of raising that awareness on a smaller scale um, yeah. for just people in my local area because then that, that's going to spread like wildfire they're going to go look this guy at the gym does this this guy at the gym does this this guy at the gym does this and then you know word of mouth hopefully enough people start to build that momentum and then get an understanding around it um, yeah I, th- I think that's that's the best way to start and social media obviously I put a lot of stuff on my social media yeah. um, in regards to like my athletes training and I feel like that's a great way as well is just to spread that awareness to actually just illustrate and show the adaptive athletes training. Yeah. What's your view on, because uh, there's a there's a bit of a debate of like this whole inspiration porn thing. Uh, what's your view okay. on that as an able-bodied person yourself? Because it's really interesting for me because I... I'm a bit on the fence of like, I get where people are coming from, but oh, it's really annoying. Like we're not doing anything different than anyone else is doing. But I'm like, take it as a compliment. They're not like, they're not, they could be doing a lot worse. They could be slagging you off left, right and center. They're actually coming up to you and saying like, hats off to you. But what's your view on of the right approach in terms of, of, as you say, it's raising that awareness of um, able-bodied and uh, able-bodied athletes and disability athletes. But, how do we make sure that it's not just full-on inspiration porn, if that makes sense? When you say inspiration porn, do you mean like in regards to like, oh my God, this guy's so amazing sort of thing, like it's so yeah, inspirational yeah, yeah. rather than looking at him as just another sort of person doing some cool shit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a tough one. I mean, I, I welcome it. Like, I welcome people to look at my guys and go, oh, my God, that's that's absolutely amazing. And look at some of the athletes I work yeah. with. That's amazing. So inspirational. But uh, I don't think that can be helped because you still get that. Like, I've had many conversations with people, like, and I'll say, right, okay, this person's done that. And they go, it, it sort of bugs me a little bit at first. But, you know, like, I, I don't blame people because that's just what they've been taught. But they would say stuff like, oh, that's so amazing. And you sort of think, don't are them. They're not like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not like. I, yeah. I, I don't know what, what word to use, but it did bug they're me a little bit at first. But that's just, it's just, it, it's what people have learned and what people haven't been exposed to. And I'm hoping to break down that barrier with what I'm doing. And yes, you're going to get people go, oh, that's so inspirational. What that's. This is what I was scared of originally when I started alt movement. I was scared of people thinking that I was using people with disabilities in order to put myself on a platform and. Yeah. everyone to think oh isn't he great isn't he so amazing and i didn't want that at all like, i just wanted to help people that was my goal and in order to help people i needed to then expand it online and start to have conversations with other people yeah so in regards to inspiration porn i would say like yes it uh, ideally i wouldn't want that to be the case but unfortunately it is until things and momentum's built up around it i think you're still going to get that no, I think that's me on it. So I think you've got a good point. I mean, as I say, for me personally, I don't take um, I don't take offence to it. I, I don't really have an issue with it. I have more of an issue of like you say the way it's phrased because if it's like oh well done, I'm, like, I'm not four. I I'm not four <laughs> years old. I, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this six years. Um, <laughs> I'm a full grown man. Right? I'm just in a bloody wheelchair. There's no difference. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then the other thing I was going to ask because I was curious. Obviously, having run. Um, disability classes do you have any issues mm-hmm. with um 
able-bodied members, obviously that they will they will look because it's intriguing because it's mm-hmm. something different. But have you had any of them have issues with staring and and sort of making the other uh, adaptive athletes more feel more uncomfortable? If that makes sense. Yeah. Have so uh, okay. So so yeah. There's been two occasions. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> On each of these occasions, actually, it was a, a complete misunderstanding. So, um, for the most part, yes, when I first started bringing some of my guys into the gym, you did get people, you notice people looking, not necessarily staring, just looking out of curiosity, which, you know, I welcome because I want to raise that awareness. Yeah. But there was a, one of my clients, I was in the class, and one of my clients came up to me and was like, I'm going to go and say something. I mean, I went, I went, what's the matter? He was like, that, that woman over there, just keep, she's been staring at me for the past 10 minutes, like it's, it's winding me up. And I was like, what, what point her out? Which woman? And he pointed her out. And I went, I've, I've invited her along. She's got cerebral palsy. <laughs> I said, she's got a uh, got hemiplegia. So she's got, obviously, she's affected on one side. I, went, I told her to come and watch. I said, just sit in the corner and watch. I was like, ignore that. I said, I'm oh, sorry. I should have made you aware, to be fair. But he was getting really wound up and he's going to go and say something. I went, no, no, chill out, chill out. <laughs> Don't go and say anything. So uh, that, that was probably the only other occasion. Oh, and there's one other occasion, similar situation. I invited someone just to sit in the corner and watch and see if it was for them, first of all. But yeah, for the most part, no, I, I, I've not noticed anyone looking. And I think the beauty of it is, so at the CrossFit gym, we uh, CrossFit Farrah, we run um, like uh, events once a month. So it's an event, Friday Night Lights or a Friday Throwdown, and everyone's invited. So it's, it's a bit more of a social sort of event. So we'll have obviously adaptive yeah. athletes and athletes competing. Um, and there's sort of like, you know, we'll have a couple of beers and pizza after the workouts and stuff. So I think by creating that, that opportunity for them to communicate, like that sort yeah. of broke down some of them barriers. Love because that. I think some of the times, unless unless you speak to someone, like for the most part, if you see someone in a wheelchair in the street, like they could have any any condition, and it's like, how would you approach that person? Would you go up and say hello? Uh, like I think from an able-bodied person's perspective, it's like, what about if they can't talk? What about if they're like, I, I don't know. I don't know that all these thoughts must go through their head. So I guess they can yeah, kind of yeah, tend yeah, to ignore yeah. it. But, yeah. but having the ability to then socialize with one another they're like oh these guys are just people in wheelchairs like they're they're not aliens <laughs> they're not yeah. like anything different you know yeah but it's until that awareness has been raised i don't think it's going to be any different and i don't think that's through people's fault it's just the way society has gone um over the years no i completely agree completely agree and i, I love that idea of bringing everyone together because i think that is it's just having those conversations and, and like you say realizing oh actually you are like you are a normal human being yes yes my legs just yeah. don't work <laughs> um yeah and then and that's exactly why i set up um not quite politically correct because it was a case of a one tactic i always use if i'm in a bar or whatever and someone comes up to me and goes oh can, can i ask you a question and you can see they are so nervous so the one tactic yeah. i'll always do is in the first sort of 10 minutes of the conversation i'll slip in a disability joke just because you'll see the person automatically relax and go, oh, right, it's okay to talk about it. Yes, it's fine. Like, I, <laughs> I, I do this every day, any day, even if I wasn't on social media. You, It's one of those things, unfortunately, because for me, I, I enjoy educating people. And my view is the more I can educate people, the better, because then that makes that conversation less awkward. So for me, I I almost get a kick out of it, of going, see, we're not that weird. Um, so like for me... <laughs> that's the best thing of like just get everyone together because that's actually i don't think um i've mentioned it too much on here because it's kind of gone into the back burner but originally i wanted to set up my own gym um that was actually oh, wow, where originally originally not quite politically correct started was i did it in a level and i wanted a a gym for able-bodied people but for facilities um for disabled people so my idea was to have a similar setup to what I've got uh, my gym in terms of like two PTs are trained to work one-to-one with an individual. The reason being two or maybe even three are trained to work with that individual. They can come in and go, right, I want to train on Mondays and Thursdays and we can make sure that one of those individuals are available and if the other one's sick or whatever, vice versa, they can cover was the idea. And then I priced it all up and went, "Mm, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Um, And then... it's, It's not cheap, man. It's not cheap. No, and then obviously stepped more into the social media world and here I am now. But yeah, so that's actually where it all started for me. So it's really nice to hear that you've sort of bridged that gap already. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's not many places that, like, I think 
as far as I know, like I, I, I say, I'm not the CrossFit gym owner, but as far as I know, um, I don't think there's any other adaptive clubs that run in the UK within a CrossFit gym, and which is solely adaptive training. As far as I'm aware, I've not come across them yet. Hopefully, I will. That'd be yep. cool. Uh, I know there's a few like in America. Uh, I had a guy reach out to me from Spain uh, recently. Uh, House House of Movement, I think it's called, um, and they've got a, adaptive categories there. Um, and I think one of the other things, um, sort of going back to something you said a moment ago, was with, with talking yep. to people is inclusive language as well. And I think that's one of the things I wanted to speak about with people is how to initiate conversations, especially as a personal trainer with someone with a disability, because that's like for for example, I, I'm I'm quite fine with it now. I, I, I will pretty much say anything to my clients, and it doesn't offend them. Well, obviously within reason. Um, yeah. But like some of the stuff, like in the classes, like okay, right, we're doing a workout today. Um, we're going to do shuttle runs. Oh, I said the word running. You're in a wheelchair, and that you know, for a coach, that could panic yeah, someone. Like, oh, I've said yeah. walk. I've said run. Oh my god. I'm flapping. Not so much for the person with disabilities, because I'm sure someone said to you, should we go for a walk and you've not thought anything of it? But yeah. I think more so for the coach, that, that inclusive language is important just to understand and take that awkwardness yeah. initially away until then them conversations are open up. Because yeah. now it's to the point, every time I slip up and say run, I can see some of my people in my classes' faces look at me and go, go on, I'm going to say it. How do you expect me to do that? And I'll just, oh, just shut up, just get on with it and do your work. <laughs> So that's almost well, become I, a bit I, of a, the, excuse the pun, a running joke. Yeah, I, I'm literally, I'm the worst for that. The amount of time I'll be at work. But, oh, I'd, I'm going going out for a walk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, I wouldn't know what that's like. But, yeah, track on. <laughs> and you just and see their I, faces go, oh. Yeah. But the worst thing is my, my work club know me now. and they, they just look at me in disgust. of like, okay, it's getting old now. <laughs> like, well, you walk into it every time. Um, what was going to ask, um, what would be actually as a, cause I'm more, my, my training you've probably seen is more focused on bodybuilding. Yeah. So I've never stepped into, um, CrossFit. I've got buddies that have all uh, tried it. Um, one of the guys I follow on Instagram, I don't know if you've seen him, the wobbly CrossFitter. Um, yeah. he's a guy based in Newcastle. Um, but I've never stepped into CrossFit. So what would be uh, a piece of advice that you'd give someone with a disability, uh, the first time coming into CrossFit? A piece of advice? Um, it's a tough one. So if I was to maybe tell an able-bodied person, it would be leave your ego at the door. So I think that can still apply to people with disabilities, leave your ego at the door. Yep. Um, what that means is don't feel like you know everything, if that makes sense. Yep. Now, it might differ slightly for someone with a disability, but be coachable. Allow yourself to be coachable um, is probably one of my top tips. And just ultimately give it a go. Like, just have a crack. Like, try a class yeah. would be be the first bit of advice. But for a lot of people, it's quite nerve-wracking. Like, going into a gym regardless, going into yeah. a CrossFit gym even more so because we see these CrossFitters and they look like machines. Like, the adaptive athletes do. Like, seeing someone do a one-arm rope climb, come on. That's insane. Like, I can yeah. barely do it. yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> two arm rope climb. Um, seeing someone like clean and jerk a, a barbell off the floor with hundred plus kilos with one arm, like that's unreal. And for people to see this sort of stuff, it's, it's quite intimidating. But yeah. that's not what CrossFit's about. CrossFit is for everyone. Like the workouts, obviously scaled are different, but the, yeah. the the methodology and the movements would not differ from from a teenager, a child your grandparent, someone with a disability, there would just be a slight adaptation or a scaled version of that workout in order to protect the movement and keep it safe. So ultimately, have a try. Just try it. Try a class Fair and enough. you'll see instantly that like, you'll fall in love with it. It's, it's just everything about it. I know CrossFit's got a lot of stick, especially in the bodybuilding community in regards to <laughs> yeah, some of the... Yeah, you're laughing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, honestly, like, if, I've been there myself, man, because I think most of us start yeah. out in, in bodybuilding. Like um, yes. Young lads, you know, we follow bodybuilding.com we go and get the Arnold blueprint or whatever that and you know back yeah, and yeah, buy yeah. you know all that sort of stuff yeah. and and CrossFit got the stick from like the kipping pull-ups and all that sort of stuff like you're just flapping around on the and it's yeah. it's not just obviously that's a gymnastic movement so there's a certain skill level behind that and I challenge anyone that can do a strict pull-up to try a kipping pull-up it is very difficult um but it's not just that it's a community aspect of it what it brings to it's the variety what it brings like I got bored of bodybuilding because 
I like to keep engaged in my workout. So I like a little bit of meat to my workout. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, whereas bodybuilding, I felt for me, like going in there, sort of following the same movement patterns, the rep ranges obviously yeah. changed with linear progression, etc. But I just, yeah, like for me, CrossFit is just, that's it. CrossFit through and through now. Obviously, I, I still so, like follow bodybuilding. I do, I do functional bodybuilding. This morning, I've done a bodybuilding workout. And yeah. But I think that's what I like about it is the variety. You're doing Olympic lifting, you're doing gymnastics, you're doing endurance, you're doing sprint work, you're doing just you're just hitting every single aspect. Yeah. And the idea, oh, sorry, as you probably see, my cat has just jumped on my shoulder. Uh, that's all right. Sorry, man. This is uh, very unprofessional. Um, and for me, is that is that variety behind it that I yeah. mostly enjoy? Well, um, for those that don't know, what is CrossFit? Like, how how do you, how would you define CrossFit? And like, what what could people expect? And I'm asking this also for me because I've never properly followed it. Um, what what can someone expect from like their first session, if you like? From their first session, um, that's the thing. Like, I, I couldn't because the workouts are very different day to day. They're not like they're not one. Obviously, they do follow a certain format and a certain progression. Expect. It, Okay, right, this is probably the one one thing. Expect the unexpected. Like, I don't okay. like looking at... If I go to a CrossFit gym, I don't like looking at the program because I like to rock up to that CrossFit gym and not know what I'm doing. Like, because I feel like almost you would cherry pick, if that makes sense. So, if you could start, so obviously, we can we can see our programming as, as coaches a week in advance. Yeah. Um, or if we're doing our own program, we can see it months in advance. And... I don't care who you are, if you look at the programming, you will be biased into what program or session you go to during the week. So I like to not know. I like to turn yeah. up. Right, today what we're doing, oh, we're doing deadlifts. Awesome, I love deadlifts. Oh, today we're doing 45 minutes of just long-duration cardio. Oh, I hate long-duration cardio. Is it beneficial? Yes. Am I going to do it? Well, I can't. Oh, well, I'm here now, so I've got to. So I think, yeah. I think that would probably summarize it best is expect the unexpected, and that's what makes it exciting. That's really interesting because obviously having not fully looked into it, oftentimes I almost saw CrossFit as a very, it's almost circuit endurance was what my in my head was it. So it's really interesting to learn that like it's quite different to, to just that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so generally across, across the structure of a CrossFit workout is sort of like you're working on, so you, you normally work on your main lift. So you have like your warm up, which will be a pulse raiser, um, some mobility work, uh, some activation specific to the workout. Then generally you go on to your, your strength exercise next, um, which could be, I yeah. don't know, deadlifts. It could be a lifting movement. It could be uh, a multitude of things. And then you would go on to your conditioning piece, which could be anything between, I don't know, it could be a, a three-minute wad. It could be a 20-minute wad, um, depending on what stimulus you're trying to get from that certain workout. Or you might it, might, it sometimes can be flipped on its head. And that's the beauty of it because you're trying to change, almost keep the body guessing, I guess, like every single workout. Um, yeah, so that that's normally the structure for most gyms is you'll have the warm-up, strength, conditioning, and then the cool-down piece at the end. Okay. What, how long are the sessions normally? Sessions? Uh, generally about an hour, yeah. Anywhere between 55 minutes to an hour. Um Trust me, you wouldn't be able to do any longer than that. Sometimes there's a... Yeah. I know I've been to a CrossFit gym, so they do like a 90-minute session, but that's more for people that want to compete. Um, so that's a little bit long. And I have travelled to a gym before where I've done the hour session, and then because we've travelled so far, they've like, I'll just stick around for the next bit. I was like, oh, what's the next bit? Oh, I was CrossFit 90, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I end up doing like a two-and-a-half-hour session. <laughs> yeah, trust me, dude. Cool. You are in a the bad way after that. <laughs> and also the calorie expenditure must be huge. Oh, for sure, man. I'll, I'm probably consuming around about four to 5,000 calories per day. That's mad. That is That's mad. just to keep alive. I'm a busy guy. I'm, I'm, I'm up at 4.30 every day, and I'm walking all the time. I'm coaching all day. I'm training all day, so I'm pretty active. Go on, sorry, man. What was you going to say? No, it takes back to my swimming days of the 4 o'clock starts. So <laughs> yeah. it's taking me back there of 4 o'clock starts, trying to get in 6,000 calories a day, and, yeah, just the long, long hours. So I, I, I respect that completely. I don't think I could do repeatedly getting up at half four now. <laughs> oh, man, I was up at half four today on a Sunday, every single day without foul. Mate. I suppose that's the thing yeah. of the, the fitness industry, though. It's very much not the nine to five industry. It's very much 
all day every day. <laughs> all day every day. Approach. So most mornings, I'm, well, I'll say pretty much every morning, I'm up about anywhere between 4 to 4.30. Um, and I don't generally get home till about 8 most days. But, you know, dude, like, I, I, I love my job. I love what I do. I'm very yeah, passionate yeah. about it. It's not, work, it's not work for me. It's, it's I'm going to hang out with some cool people and do some awesome shit and, and help some people. So for me, I'm happy to work yeah. them long hours. Yeah, sure, I get a few hours off in the daytime. Um, which you know you can't really do much with other than what sit in the gym or do a workout or you know a couple of little bits at home or have some food. But look, I'm I'm happy to do them hours. I'm happy to do that grind. It does sometimes get a little bit emotionally draw, uh, draining because especially where I still coach obviously able body classes, I still got a few um, able body clients and obviously predominantly um, individuals with disabilities. But where it, it's such a wide range, I'm almost having to put different hats on every single client so i might have like someone that's 12 years old with um so i've got i've got a young lad i work with he's got spina bifida and he's 12 years old and the way i behave with him is very different i obviously don't swear i'm very foolish i'm i act like a bit of an idiot um just yeah mainly to make him laugh and keep him engaged and then all of a sudden i might have like yeah, yeah. a 70 year old bloke come in and i've got to then obviously put a different hat on where i'm is yes. this client I'm thinking of in particular is a bit of a bit of a bit of a bloke, a bit of a geezer. So then I'm almost like you know, go a bit cockney and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. And yeah. and then all of a sudden I might be doing a play it up. Uh, <laughs> I might be doing a class, and then all of a sudden I have to change. I'm a lot louder. I'm a lot more energetic. And then by the end of the day, you're like, yeah. who am I? <laughs> I'm wiped out. Yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, what would be one piece of advice you'd give? For a, for someone who wants to become like an adaptive 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 coach, what would be one piece of advice for them to start their their journey? Um, say they've got one or two people with disabilities in their gym and they want to start maybe offering some help to them. What would be your advice? Obviously, they obviously as anyone would say, it's ask them, see what help they need, and that would be the mm-hmm. obvious ones. But what would be a bit more of a specific piece of advice from more of a from your experience background of more so specifically about training, um, yeah, what mm-hmm. would what would be the advice you'd give? So obviously that that would be the go-to is ask the individual um, straight away because someone with a disability knows more about their disability than anyone else in the world. Um, so, so how would you mean in specific in regards to their training or specific in regards to how yeah. they're going to so like, themselves as an adaptive coach? In terms of specifically for training, like what would be pro, like your first steps in terms of let's say they were like I, they'd had that conversation of what they can and can't do in terms of designing a, a program for them or designing a session for them. What would be okay. some advice for of like shortfalls that maybe you have learned through like your years of practicing it, but you yes. necessarily wouldn't have known straight off the bat. So. For anyone that knows um, a bit about programming, so I generally follow um, a format of daily undulated training. Um, I don't tend to plan too far in advance with my athletes. It's normally on a week-to-week or even a day-to-day basis. Reason being is because of one of the things I mentioned earlier is your athlete can turn up and and that day they could feel a certain way, um, an injury or their condition could be affecting them in a certain way. So Obviously, then if I've created a plan or a six-week program for that individual, it might not look the same at the end of that six weeks. So I'm also create the program maybe on the day, and then I sort of store that information as I'm going and sort of pick and cherry pick what worked, what didn't work. Um, in regards to where to get started, I would always err on the side of caution um, and go through the same protocols you would with anyone. Like you have someone come into the gym, right? I've never trained before. Okay, right. Where do we start? We start with the basics. We start with functional compound movements. Um, I work a lot on unilateral movements. So in regards to what I mean by that is unilateral uh, is instead of using a barbell, I would use a dumbbell. Why would this be the case? Because generally you find with someone with a disability, they've got an imbalance more than likely, um, especially if they're a wheelchair user, they might have some imbalance within their spine, within the hips, within the legs. So using individual weights is going to allow that imbalance to sort of correct itself over time, as opposed to if you were to use a barbell, um, one side, or even even like a machine, one side could probably compensate for the weaker side. So I would say a lot of dumbbell work, obviously being careful if someone's got, um, like for example, with CP, um, there might be involuntary movements, uh, muscle spasms, etc. So you might have to be a little bit cautious as to overhead movements. Um, 
or someone with hemiplegia might have um, issues with grip on one hand. So just taking that into consideration. So as opposed to using a dumbbell on that side, you may use a band or something like a little bit safer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question as to what advice you would give someone um, because every single client is different. It's about being open. It's about being creative. It's about exploring movement and almost utilizing what you know, but being aware that I, I think with adaptive athletes, there's not a wrong way of doing it, but there is a safe way of doing it. Yeah. If that Completely makes sense. Agree. So Completely as long as agree. as long as they're safe in what they're doing, the movement's fine. Like just treat them as a normal client. Just treat them as someone that's I don't know, got potentially an injury or something like that. Like yeah. don't not do an exercise because through fear of hurting them, but just yeah. understand the mechanics and how to do it safely. And I think that's pro uh, from my perspective, the piece of advice I'd give for having done a lot of work with my PTs is, you said it there, get creative. The amount of times I've done movements and I'm like, this looks weird as hell to anyone else that's an outsider, <laughs> but it works. Um, yeah. Because literally the amount of times I've been training and a lot of people have gone, how have you not snapped your rotator cuff? And I'm like, eh, it's basically because my rotator cuff's probably stronger than anyone else's. <laughs> Um, what interestingly because you from the sounds of it you work with a number of um, individuals with cerebral palsy or CP um, mm -hmm. recovery is a key problem for people with CP speaking from my experience as well uh, what would be mm -hmm. like what's some advice that you've given your clients in terms of making sure that they recover obviously there's the obvious ones of making sure your hydration's on point sleeping's mm -hmm. sleeping's good but in terms of more CP specific, um, mm -hmm. is there any any advice that you give? Yeah, so I mean, it's not too different from as you just said, like making sure plenty of hydration. Um, you're eating a correct amount of protein um, in order to obviously recover if you've done a lot of damage to muscle. Um, moving, I would say, keep moving. Obviously, if you're in a wheelchair, uh, the chances are you might not be moving your lower part of your body as much as you would upper part of your body. So actively moving the muscles, keeping them engaged, making sure there's plenty of blood flow getting back to the legs. Um, because that's the thing, like some people think because you're in a wheelchair, you can't do lower body workouts, but like you still can do lower body workouts. It just obviously, it would differ from individual to individual. So once again, it, it would depend on the person um, completely. But um, yeah, it would be pretty much all the same stuff I would give to anyone else. Although it may... I may say, as opposed to taking one day recovery, take two days recovery or something like that, depending on what the workout was prior to that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from my perspective of, of obviously with the condition, my my golden rule, even though I don't always follow it, so I hold my hands up and say, uh, I'm giving you this advice, but I'm, I also struggle to follow it myself. Do, do as I say, not your as a phone bit. rollers. As well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Phone rollers are your best friend. Um, that's probably one thing I've learned over the years of foam roller is probably the best 20 pounds you'll ever spend um, as someone with a disability, especially someone with a spastic disability like uh, cerebral palsy, um, which another is another phrase that throws people off. Spastic is a medical term as well as the uh, derogatory term as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one piece of advice that I give is get, get yourself a foam roller. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, fight fire was definitely um, alleviate a lot of muscle soreness. Go on, sorry, mate. Definitely. Definitely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think there's a bit of a delay no, no, you're thanks right. to our online recording. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the last and final question, which I know I threw you off with at the beginning. So, obviously, at, at NQPC, we always try and tackle some of the more politically challenging topics. What's one piece mm -hmm. of uh, politically correct I still haven't figured out the best way to phrase this question that you really strongly agree with or disagree with. So what's something that you okay. really feel passionately about? Yeah, so this, obviously, you said that to me at the start, and uh, as someone that's pretty relaxed and not many things bother me, um, I was a bit thrown off, and I was like, oh, jeez, I've never really thought about that before, to be honest with you. Um, for me, do you know what it is? It's, it's council culture. Okay. It's council culture. Main reason being... It's because we've seen a lot of stuff being cancelled, people being silenced recently, and like even down to statues being pulled down because of what they've done. Now, yes, that sounds quite bad that I would like them statues being kept up, but 
how do we stop history repeating itself if we remove all the things that remind us of why it was bad? Yeah. I think that's a very important thing. And I think that's what annoys me in rap politically correct is cancel culture. And it also makes people too scared to have these conversations like we're doing today around disabilities because what about if someone tells me off because I've I've spoken to a disabled person and used a certain word? Like, yeah, it's not going to work. And I think that, that for me is uh, cancel culture. What's the, what, what do you think we need to do to change it? Um... I mean, the simple answer would be to stop cancelling things. I mean, but uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, um, <laughs> um, in the grand scheme of things, is don't be afraid. Obviously, within reason, you're not going to start being hateful towards someone, but don't be afraid to have yeah. conversations and allow awkward and uncomfortable conversations to happen because that's where these milestones and things are are broken through because we we, we can then discuss it deeper rather than pussyfooting around everything. Yeah, and I think that's well, that's why um, we create the podcast is, is to try and tackle those ones where they don't really want to have those discussions um, mm -hmm. because there is this whole element of, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. But then I think it's really hard because you don't want someone to be second-guessing their words. Like For mm -hmm. me, I'd much rather get someone's gut reaction because that's their true self as opposed mm -hmm. to a filtered version of themselves. And I think that's the hardest thing of, I completely understand if it, it's a topic that's uncomfortable, but I think the way in which you articulate that you're not happy to discussing this topic has to be a certain way to almost not make it that you're, you don't want to put the individual off of having that discussion with someone else that might be more comfortable of having that discussion, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I completely agree. What um, obviously we've seen it with social, we see it in social media with cancel culture as well, and I think that's another issue in itself. Of like, you see these big influencers doing really well, and the big companies doing really well, and one post goes up and it's off the mark and skewed, and then they're cancelled. What's I, I have Billy, I know your answer. What's your views on that in terms of are are we being too sensitive in that environment or do, do you think it's the right or wrong, not right or wrong thing to do, or do you do you lean more towards we need to do more of it? If that makes sense. How do you what, what do you mean like ca 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 cancelling? Wait, sorry, I, I've got I've got a bit lost there. <laughs> That's right. So I meant like within the social media community, um, more yes. so. Obviously, you gave the example of the statues. Obviously, we see it a lot as well in social media in terms of. Um, companies are trying to be a bit more inclusive whether it be race whether it be disability oh, or anything okay. like that do are companies have been given enough space to not get things wrong but get things wrong in terms of so that then they're able to learn like anyone anyone that, anyone that learns anything you get it wrong the first time then you build on it build on it build on it so by being yeah. a cancel culture are we Almost stopping creativity. I mean, this yeah, is yeah, you're, you're, stop, you're stopping creativity. Yeah, you're stopping creativity because, like, you need to be allowed to make mistakes. Like, as human beings, like, you know, in the gym, we have to make mistakes. We have to fail. Like, we have to in order to grow as people. Because um, nothing will get done otherwise. If if I was if I was too scared to take a step and do something for, through fear of being ridiculed, like, if if my fear for alt movement because I was scared that people would think that I was trying to sort of monetize my clients by putting them out there, then I wouldn't have been able to help as many people as I've helped if, if I was so scared that people was going to have that, that, that view of me. Um, yes, I think, obviously, we've seen it a lot more. We've seen it a lot more in um, with, with larger companies, like clothing companies and stuff, are now starting to use um, uh, people with disabilities within their marketing, which is fantastic. Um, and I think, but once again, that can almost go the other way. It's almost like, you've got the job because you're in a wheelchair. It's like, no, I want to get the job because I'm yeah. the best person for the job, not just because I'm the person with a missing leg or the person with a disability. So once again, it can almost become too PC that it's then all of a sudden insulting that yeah. like, you've been given handouts. Because like most of my clients, they said, like, I, I want to get the job because I'm good at the job. I don't want to get the job because I'm disabled and I tick a box. Yeah. See, one thing that's really interesting, so, um, and this, this episode will be going... Uh, so the episode that I'm about to talk about will be going live soon. But I spoke to um, uh, a friend of mine, Ashley, 
um, on the podcast, and we actually had a very similar conversation about box ticking. Um, and his view was he he's a um, disability model, and his view was very much of like, yes, you are ticking a box, but then without ticking that box, you're not making any progression because if you don't give them the option to tick the box, we're not making any progress forward, which I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I. I was very on the fence about this whole belief of like, oh, I hate being a box ticker and hate being the fact of like, oh, I'm only getting this opportunity because I'm in a wheelchair. When he sort of spun it as, uh, with better phrasing, but he sort of spun it of, I'll use this to my advantage because it will help the disabled community in the long run, was his view. Um, what's your, what, what going off piece a, bit, a little bit, um, what's your view on the, like, idea of box ticking with a disability having worked worked with so many people with disabilities is it are we doing the right thing by having that box there in terms of do you lean towards what i've just mentioned in terms of um it's yeah listen, listen, listen the listen, right direction an opportunity yeah if it gives someone an opportunity and it, it puts them in a in a better position within their lives like, and they're happy to be that box tick or the person that's ticking that box then then for sure absolutely go for it but i don't necessarily think that should be the sole reason it's like um in in so um someone i know works up in london when they get their cvs come through they have no name no date of birth no gender nothing on it other than the per- person's credentials so although yes that's a bit of a shot in the dark in i guess who you're employing but it takes out the ability because we all do have biases regardless of who you are we all have bias like you'd be lying if you said you didn't and if you was looking at a CV and you was to see a man's name, a woman's name, depending on what the job role was, you are going to subconsciously bias, uh, be biased towards one of the, one of the candidates. So, yeah, it's a really tough question. I think it's a, it's got a lot of layers to it. It's got a lot of layers. It definitely to it, has. It definitely has. I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's just interesting to get your perspective where you work so closely within the several community, but you don't have a disability yourself because it's always you'll you'll see things that I don't see because I'm not yeah. coming I'm coming at it as a disabled person, not as an able bodied person. So I always like to get people's perspective on these different topics because it's it's so that I can almost form and we can on here formulate like a, a more well rounded idea around the topic so uh thanks yeah, thanks think, for think, thanks for uh yeah, submitting <laughs> to my questions <laughs> i think that's i think it's important you're right man to have these conversations and i'm happy to make a mistake i'm happy to mess up and say something wrong because then ultimately i'm going to learn from that if i say something that's offended someone like i want to know that i've offended them and then how yeah. could i maybe reframe that question next time so um yeah yeah i think i think that's a good question it's definitely a good question what you've asked I think we do. We just need to give people more space to be able to make mistakes because that's how we learn, how we grow. Like the amount of inventions and things that come by by pure fluke. And it's almost that same. We need to have that same view of by making a mistake, you'll learn something new and you might actually find a new new issue or something else that needs tackling by making that mistake. Um, oh, exactly. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely something I think we need to push on with. And like, thank you for sort of giving your perspective on that. Um, as a closing, I always give my guests a chance to plug away. Um, so where can everyone find you? They want to come down and see you in the gym. Where, where can we go? Obviously, I will put all of your details in the link to the episode, but where uh, where can they find you? So um, obviously, the first step is uh, alt movement, A-L-T or alternative movement um, on Instagram. Uh, so uh, I'm also on Spotify, the alternative movement podcast. Uh, I obviously, with my podcast, I chat with people with disabilities around the world, how they've adapted their training um, and sort of uh, getting their sort of outlook on life. Um, where to find me? I'm oh, sorry, it's on YouTube as well. I do put my podcast on YouTube. So if you want to look at my face, then you can see my face on YouTube, uh, which will be under the same name. Uh, cool. To find me, so I'm based in Furrock, Essex, and the gym that I operate out of is called CrossFit Furrock. Um, and I'm sure you'll tag all the links necessary in there yep. so you'll be able to find out i've got a, i've got a little video of me talking about the access and stuff in order to get into the gym because we do have two different access ports as well um, unfortunately the access with stairs is where the postcode takes you which is not great for me because obviously ah. my clients need the other access so I've, I've done a little video to obviously show people how to manually find the uh, the access route for that one 
Um, but yeah, that's all me. That's me on social media. That's my location and where I operate from. And who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Maybe I'll be operating from a massive facility, you know, in the heart of London. I don't know. I'm joking. I wouldn't want it to grow big. And I think if it's gross. <laughs> no, I think if it grew big, it would. I would end up in more of a management role, and I don't want that to happen. I love working with people, so I want to keep small, manageable. But for my online presence, I want to be able to educate and and teach people. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, um, and thank you for giving us your time and all your different perspective. It's definitely been uh, extremely interesting for me as someone that's debated getting into CrossFit myself. So it's nice to actually speak to someone that that trains in it and trains specifically people with disabilities. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me on, bud. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Quite Podcast. Please make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram to get regular updates about the podcast.